the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hour number two of the Bruce Hooley Show on a Thursday typically starts with our conversation with Matt Mayer of OpportunityOhio.org. But Matt is out of the country right now with one of his kids and took a little uh, family trip. So I certainly don't want to get in the middle of that or ask him to take time away from that. So we will have Matt with us next week. Yesterday on Capitol Hill, the East Palestine train derailment was front and center. Mike DeWine was there testifying. Sherrod Brown there testifying, J.D. Vance there testifying. But the uh, most impactful testimony came from an East Palestine mom. My seven-year-old has asked me if he is going to die from living in his own home. What do I tell him? This preventable accident has put a scarlet letter on our town. People don't want to come here. Businesses are struggling. Our home values are plummeting. Even if we wanted to leave, we couldn't. Who would buy our homes? Now, her name is Misty Allison, and she was on Fox and Friends this morning expounding on that very, very riveting testimony yesterday. There definitely is some frustration, and I would say rightfully so. Um, Norfolk Southern keeps saying that they are going to do the right thing, but as I said yesterday... Who gets to determine what is right here? And I would say that East Palestine residents really want um, a couple of guarantees, and that includes, you know, short-term and long-term health care monitoring and some home value protection and to really help our community and economy recover and thrive. So um, I know Norfolk Southern has made a lot of promises, and hopefully we'll hear something soon about what they actually plan to do to make it right for the long term. Now, the CEO of Norfolk Southern was there, and he ran through what they've done so far in East Palestine. Here are the details on that. Uh, He says the company has recovered and transported more than 7.4 million gallons of potentially affected water from the site for disposal at EPA-approved facilities. 7.4 million gallons. They have removed more than 6,800 tons of affected soil and taking that to facilities. In terms of money, uh, they claim to have invested more than $24 million in East Palestine and surrounding communities, uh, provided $10 million in aid to more than 6,000 families, another $3 million in community relief funds, and $9 million to reimburse and support emergency responders health and environmental agencies. The Norfolk Southern view of this is that they have the Ohio EPA and the federal EPA testing the water and testing the air and that they all say it is safe. But then there are other people, and I had a Purdue scientist a couple weeks ago who said, yeah, but they're not testing the right thing. I don't know how you bridge the gap between what residents want, which is complete reimbursement. They want everything put back the way it was before. 
Okay, and I just don't know if that's reasonable. I don't know how you convince everybody because everybody is has a varying degree of assurance, right? Some people might be fine right now. Hey, the EPA says it's fine, it's fine. I'm not getting sick. I don't have any rashes. They've paid my temporary housing expenses. Probably going to get some money in a class action lawsuit. I'm good. There are probably people like that. Then there are no, there are other people at the total other end of the spectrum who perhaps because they are predisposed to a tad bit of hypochondria, perhaps because it's 100% legit, they've got sore throats, they've got headaches. How do you how do you authenticate somebody's headache? How do you authenticate somebody's sore throat? I mean, what they're telling you they feel, they could feel it, they could be making it up. If you're not going to sell your house for five years, for 10 years, how do you know that in five or 10 years, if your house brings what you thought it should or didn't bring what you thought it should, is that the fault of Norfolk Southern? Is that a fault of market conditions? Is that a fault of the condition of the home? Something you did, something you didn't do. So I don't know that there's a way for Norfolk Southern to come out of this with everybody feeling fine. Everybody saying, you know what? They did enough because... The only thing they could have done in this case was heed the warning of the overheated bearing, stop the train, and not have it derail and spill all that toxic poison into the ground and into the air. That's the only way. So this is why this aspect of the hearing stuck out to me yesterday. Clyde Whitaker, a name I've not heard before, the Ohio State Legislative Director for the Rail Workers Union. Okay, so this guy's a rail union boss. He said that several days after the East Palestine incident, the railroad nearly had a similar incident in the Cleveland area when a train dispatcher asked for permission to stop and inspect a train after there was a report of a trending defect on the train. But that that train dispatcher was told by the chief dispatcher for the train to continue going. And as it continued going, a train going in the opposite direction said, hey, your train is on fire. You have to stop. I can can even imagine what kind of bleep storm we would be in if there had been another derailment in Cleveland of a Norfolk Southern train carrying hazardous materials a few days or within a week of the one in East Palestine. Wow. That would have been something. That would have been something. As I said, Mike DeWine was there yesterday. And he's saying, I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with what Mike DeWine says. He's got to say this. The people of East Palestine have a right. They have a right to get their lives back. They have a right to get their community back and simply get their peace of mind. Yeah, right. I mean, you've got to say that. I'm just saying, okay, make that happen. How do you do that? What's the standard for that? Is there? Do you know if there is still piles of dirt? The last social media post I saw from JD Vance said yes. That's well. I think at some point. But then they were ordered to get that out of there. They They were an EPA facilities who are equipped to take that. Who had been turning it down were ordered to take it. Okay. So maybe it's been removed. Yeah. And again. I think as long as that's there, these folks are not going to be happy. And and there's a no-win situation here because, look, and I'm not, I'm not banging on anybody here. But JD Vance did the video. Here's the piles of dirt. You got to get this out of here. I agree with that. 
is J.D. Vance going to go back when the piles of dirt are gone and say, hey, the piles of dirt are gone. Great job, Norfolk Southern. No, that's a political suicide for him to do that. He's not going to do that. And Norfolk Southern is not going to go back and go, hey, look, it's beautiful here. We cleaned it all up. Everything's gone. Everything's great. They're not going to do that either because there are some things in this that you cannot affirm, you cannot applaud because people will go, well, look at you trying to shape public opinion after you ruined everything for a couple of months. So I get it. I just, I I would not want to be, you know, sometimes we, we ask questions like, who would you rather be? Would you rather be Joe Biden or Donald Trump in the 24 election? Would you rather be Ron DeSantis or Joe Biden? In this case, who would you rather be? The the citizens who are wronged or would you rather be Norfolk Southern? You can say, wow, I'd rather be Norfolk Southern because, hey, my home wasn't ruined. But your business Norfolk Southern, this may take them under. And if it does, they deserved it. They deserved it because they didn't heed the warning. Had there not been a bearing warning on that train, then you can say, look, man, accidents happen all the time. But the fact that it was clearly, and this has been, the NTSB said this, an avoidable incident. Why do you have safety protocols if you're not going to observe them? I mean, that blows my mind that they had a overheated bearing. Are they unaware what an overheated bearing can cause with the train? I mean, to me, it would be like overheated bearing, wheel malfunction, wheel malfunction, train derailment. How many cars with toxic chemicals do we have on this train? Oh, we got 30. Would that be a bad thing if we derailed? Yeah, that'd be a bad thing. Maybe we ought to stop. They didn't stop. And the people of East Palestine are paying for it, and to a certain degree, the people of Norfolk Southern are paying for it. Speaking of paying for it, Jerome Powell, Federal Reserve Chairman yesterday, raised rates the ninth consecutive time they have done something with interest rates and the something they have done is raise them. Of course, inflation remains three times what it should be. Can't expect them to lower interest rates. (laughs) That would be like, Eh, forget those other eight raises. We were wrong. Eh, we're going to go back. No, they can't do that. So they raised interest rates a quarter of a percent, which was the consensus opinion. The last time we had rates like this was about 15 years ago, before the housing crisis of 2008, before. We got used, we got spoiled on interest rates of 2%. Not sustainable. Biden's spending didn't help, but look, going for years and years and years and years with ridiculously low interest rates, you and I didn't notice the difference because we thought, hey, this is cool. My mortgage is really low. I can afford a lot more house than I could if mortgage rates were where they were when I first bought a house. But when you make rates so low that money is free to big corporations, they're going to go out and buy houses in bulk. That's a prudent business decision, but there's a toll for that, and we're experiencing it now. Well, this coming Saturday night, the Chicago Blackhawks were going to wear their pride jerseys for warm-ups in their game that is uh, on the schedule, and now they are not going to. This is a case of someone who has the courage of their convictions swaying others to their way of thinking. Uh, The 
Blackhawks have a player, a Russian player, who decided that, no, I don't want to wear the pride jersey. He's taking a page out of the uh, same book of Ivan Provorov of the Philadelphia Flyers and of James Reamer, I believe San Jose Sharks. Uh, the San Jose Sharks um, player cited his Christian, Christian faith, beliefs. Right. And the well, other that's players, too. Yeah. And the other players are saying that they're, they're Russian, Orthodox mm-hmm. Russian beliefs. So, yes. Yes. So the Blackhawks player, I'm sorry, Connor Murphy. Uh, well, no, Connor Murphy is not the player who objected. Connor Murphy is one who said that uh, he's a Blackhawk who said, I don't see what's wrong with it. Everybody around the league, you know, we're all hockeys for everybody. All that nonsense. Uh, But this is a case where it's been done before, and the call upon the heart that God has placed in each of these players' hearts is that, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it in an understated way. Provorov just said, you know, it conflicts with my beliefs. Reamer said the same thing. Pam, was this guy's name in the story you sent me? I can't find it. I think the organization just said somebody in the organization said they weren't going to wear it. The Blackhawks is yeah. choosing to do that as a group, as like a group. the Rangers did okay. about six weeks ago, a month ago, something like that. The entire team decided we're, we're not going to participate in this. Yeah, so this is this is great. This is moving the culture war. And, of course, look, here's the deal. When you have the courage of your convictions and you stand up for what is right, and I'm not going to promise you that this happens every time. Sometimes you're going to be left on an island. Sometimes you're going to be vilified for it, and James Reamer, Ivan Provorov, this will follow them the rest of their careers. They're always, oh, they're haters. They're not haters, okay? They just have strong beliefs, and they're not going to dishonor their beliefs. They're not going to do the easy thing. The hard thing is to say, no, I'm not going to do this. This is the hard thing. The easy thing is just go along with it. Nobody's Nobody's interviewing random players. Hey, how did you feel wearing the pride jersey? No. You only get interviewed if you refuse to wear the jersey. But this is an example of the disingenuous narrative that is out there around the LGBTQ movement. I hold in my hand further proof of that, a Cleveland Plain Dealer story where I used to work for 18 years. The headline, some conservatives want to ban, and in quotations, pornographic books in schools. And they want Fran DeWine's help. Yes, the governor's wife. Fran DeWine. It's written by a guy named Jake Zuckerman. And boy, is Jake all in on the LGBTQ narrative. He says, an array of Ohio conservatives want to ban books about LGBTQ youth from state schools, deeming them pornographic, and they are seeking the governor's wife's help. (laughs) Um, Banning books is how the left characterizes the effort by some conservatives to limit certain books to age-appropriate audiences, okay? It's not a ban of a book. A ban of a book is to take the book out of circulation so no one can read it. A limitation on a book's circulation is not a ban of the book. You're an adult. You want to read genderqueer? Go for it. Memorize it. Do a book report on it. Do whatever you want with it. But for kids in elementary school to be able to read or be taught 
from the book Gender Queer is inappropriate for their ages and for their understanding of human sexuality. It is not appropriate for who they are at that point in their life. But listen to Jake Zuckerman make this sound so intolerant. Gender Queer is an award-winning memoir. Oh, how dare you ban an award-winning memoir. Told in a graphic novel format. Oh, graphic novel. You know what that's a euphemism for? For pornographic pictures. That's graphic novel. No, it's pornography. About Kobabe's coming of age. See, when you have sex with an adult as a kid, that's not rape. That's not gross sexual imposition. That's not sexual harassment. That's coming of age. While identifying outside the gender binary. While practicing a lifestyle that is definitely not part of mainstream America. Gee, Jake, you make it really easy to edit your lousy, crappy, agenda-driven reporting. A Northeast Ohio parent deemed the book's presence in elementary schools illegal. Yeah, the book's presence illegal, but not the book. So they're not banning it, okay? And he says that the pictures in the book classify the book as pornographic and illegal under the Ohio Revised, Clo- under the Ohio Revised Code. Then I love this paragraph. Both Fran and Governor Mike DeWine have largely eluded the GOP-driven culture war against LGBTQ people. Who's really waging the culture war here? Are Republicans and conservatives waging a culture war against LGBTQ people or expanding exposure to sexually explicit themes? Is that the culture war being waged by LGBTQ teachers and advocates on kids? Who's trying to gain new ground? These concepts, these pictures, these books, these themes were never part of elementary schools, junior high schools, or even high schools. But now the LGBTQ advocates want them to be part of elementary schools So those kids can have coming-of-age experiences with teachers and pedophiles. So the reversal of the sentence is true, but the sentence as it is written is not true. It's not a culture war being waged against LGBTQ people. It's a 50-year war which has moved from tolerate us, accommodate us, Celebrate us. Indoctrinate us into the mainstream. Who's waging the culture war? It's not the conservatives. It's definitely the LGBTQ agenda. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.